Welcome to church. There's a showward assembly, an exciting congregation of God's people, under the pastoral care of Dr. Dennis Eng and his amiable wife, Pastor I.T. Our mission is to raise champions who are passionate for God, winning in life and changing the world. Our vision is to be a growing community of worshippers and ministers from every tribe and tongue, taking the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever we go. Showward, raising champions. This morning I'm going to wrap up a series on the trial of faith. I'll wrap that up because we are beginning another series. What you will notice as a feature of a teaching church is that you have series of teachings. There are always things for you to learn over a period of time. We just don't preach and get you blessed. We try to deepen your understanding of God's word so that you can receive the things that God has for you. Amen? Well, in the month of April, we'll be having a focus on business and financial prosperity. And I know that it will be a blessing to every one of us. Are you excited about that? Glory to God. Right, but we are bringing to an end this series that was meant to also equip us to stand in the face of adversity. To equip us, mature us, so that we don't deny the faith when times are difficult. And that is the purpose for the series on the trial of faith. We have had several teachings. I only laid the foundation the first service. Um, and then this is my second time of, of teaching on these. But in my absence, the first Sunday I was absent. I think it was Mama that taught beautifully. Were you blessed? Yeah. Of course you were. And last week, we had Pastor Chair, we had Pastor Nonso teach. And I'm sure you were blessed. And the rest of the Thursday services, we also had diverse teachings on the trial of faith. I can summarize all the teachings that we have received so far in three words. The first is purpose, the second is perspective, and the third is perseverance. Purpose. Can you say purpose? Come on, let me hear you. Can you say purpose, perspective, and perseverance? Say it again. Purpose, perspective, and perseverance. You have heard that there is a purpose for every trial. God does not allow any trial except there is a purpose for it. And the purpose for the trial is not to destroy you, not to ruin you, but God allows that to make you better, to make you stronger. That is why James said, count it all joy when you face diverse trial because the trial of your faith gives you patience develops character. The trial of your faith makes you strong enough to wait and not to give up. He said, let patience have its perfect way so that you will become mature. You become strong and complete, lacking nothing. So when God allows 
any trial, when God allows anything that challenges your faith, it is because he wants to make you better. Bible says that your faith will come out as gold, which when tried in the fire becomes refined, becomes valuable, becomes useful, becomes costly. So your, the trial comes to refine your faith as fire refines gold. Glory to God. And at the end of it all, it will become pure, it will become valuable, it will become useful to you. So, there is a purpose for every trial. Can someone say hallelujah? How you respond to trial depends on your perspective. How you respond to trial depends on how you see it. Perspective is how you see a thing. You know, the brothers of Joseph were confused. They were concerned that after the father had died, the brother will afflict them. The brother will torture and have a revenge on them. So when they went and said, our father said that you should take care of it. He said, don't worry. Don't even worry. Don't complain. I know you sold me into slavery. You thought to do me evil, but God meant it for good. He said, even though you sold me, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve a posterity. I, it's not you that sold me. It's God that sent me. I am not angry with you because my perspective is different. Beloved, when your perspective is right, trial will not overcome you. Trial will not overwhelm you because your perspective is shaped by your understanding of God's purpose. Your understanding of God's word. Can somebody say hallelujah? Perseverance. Don't quit in the face of adversity. Don't quit in the face of trial. Don't quit in the face of challenges. Hold on because your change will come. The Bible says our light affliction is but for a moment. And it's working for us. Things that are much more valuable. Glory to God. It's working for us. Things that are better than what we can see now. It is for a moment. And at the end, it will become better. Bible says the sufferings of these times, they are nothing compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Can someone say hallelujah? So hold on. Hold on. When things are difficult, when things are not what you want, don't quit. Hold on. Because at the end of it all, you will have a testimony. Can somebody say hallelujah? Job chapter 1 verse number 6 Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on, on the earth? A blameless and upright man, one who fears God 
and shuns evil. Verse 9. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him? Around his household and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. Verse 11. But now, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. 12. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. Only do not touch his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Why is Satan interested in trying you? Why is he interested in afflicting you? Because he wants to show not only to God but to the world that you're only serving God for what you will get. He wants to show that all this your church is only because things are working. Beloved, it's good to praise God. It's good to lift up hands. It's good to come to church. It's good to be passionate. It's easy to be zestful in the good times. Satan said to God, Job is serving you now. Job is walking upright. Job is being blameless because things are going well with him. Because you have put a hedge around him and a hedge around his family. You have blessed the work of his hands and his substance have increased. Take away the blessing. Touch what he has. Mess him up. Let his business not work again. Let his life seem to be going in the wrong direction. And he will curse you to your face. And God said, that's okay, go ahead. But don't touch his life. Beloved, listen to this. Satan has not changed. His tricks remain the same. He is still interested in your cursing God because of what you go through. He is testing you. He's coming after you because he wants you to turn away from the faith. He wants you to deny God. He wants you to turn away from what you believe because of the travails of your life. He said to God, don't offer protection to him. Let him not prosper again. Turn away from him and you will see that he will not remain faithful to you. Beloved, if Satan puts a bet on you that you cannot serve God if things are not going well, will he win or lose? Will he win or lose? Pastor Austin said something teaching along this line on Thursday and I think this is a good place to begin. I'll repeat what he said for emphasis. 
Sometimes we think that people that pass through trials, people that pass through challenges, it is because they are far from God. We think it is because of their sins. We think it is because they have done something wrong. Don't be quick to judge. Don't be quick to point fingers. Are you with me? Have you ever heard someone is delaying, having delay in giving birth after marriage? And some vain people who don't have an understanding of the dealings of God, they will say, ah, it is because she had aborted all the children. Have you heard that before? She's not giving birth because she has aborted all the children. What about prostitutes that eventually get married and give birth? Or those that even give birth out of wedlock? The fact that the woman has not given birth is not because she had aborted all her children. Sometimes you find a woman who is not married and you point a finger and say, hey, do you know what she has done? Because of the kind of things she has been doing. That is why men are running after, away from her. You, you know what she has been doing? And you think you have been doing better? Somebody is not doing well in business. Maybe the business has crashed. Say, God is punishing him. God is punishing him. My brother, people's hands are not clean. My brother, leave them. You don't know what they go to do in the night. Do you know what they do in the night? What do you do in the night that others are not doing? Are you with me? Sometimes people have a challenge in their marriage. Sometimes people lose their marriage. And what we do is point fingers. Ah, that kind of woman. She must be a wicked woman. That is why her marriage has failed. Fact is that you may even be more wicked. And it is the grace of God that is keeping your own. Is somebody still here? Do you know, Job passed through so much trial and yet he was a man that God boasted about. God said, have you seen my servant Job? He is a blameless man. He's an upright man. A man that fears God and hates evil. So listen, you may fear God and hate evil. You may be blameless and upright and yet you may have challenges in your life. Please listen to this. Please listen carefully. The fact that your business is not doing well does not mean that you're out of the will of God. The fact that you're having a challenge on your job does not mean that you're out of the will of God. God might expressly have spoken to you to take up the job and you could still have a challenge in it. The fact that your marriage is passing through a storm does not mean you're out of the will of God. Sometimes a man and a woman have issues and the next thing is that I think I miss God. You didn't miss God? Solve the problem. Solve the problem. Glory to God. Even when you're in the right path, challenges will still come. We moved over to the pavilion last week of February, I think. For the first few weeks, it was hell. 
were wrestling with one challenge after another. The connections. Generator. Have you noticed that in the last few weeks, the gen has not gone off even once? That did not happen with a snap of the finger. It was because the problems were solved. I could have said, oh, I made a mistake. We shouldn't have left the other hall. No, we were doing the right thing, but we encountered challenges. The electrician we called did the wrong thing. We had to abandon cables and buy new ones. We had to throw in hundreds of thousands of naira to solve the problem. But it is easy to chicken out and think, oh, I shouldn't have done this in the first place. Oh, I made a mistake. That you have a challenge does not mean you're out of God's will. I don't know whether I'm making sense to someone. If I was in the will of God, it would have worked out. You can be in the will of God and it doesn't work out as easily as you think. But if you keep at it, it will work out. Glory to God. Job was upright. He was a perfect man. He was a righteous man. And yet, Satan wanted him to pass through crisis, affliction, to pass through tests and challenges because he thought that Job would deny God and cause God to his face. Glory to Jesus. Because Job did not. May you not deny God because of the things you're passing through. May you not deny the faith because of the challenges you see. May you not turn away from following God. May you not change your confession. May you not change what you believe because of the challenges, because of the trials, because of the testing you face. Is somebody still here? Glory to God. Satan wants you to say the wrong things. When the enemy did not succeed with Job, he used the closest person to him. His wife. One day the wife came and said to him, you're still serving God? You're still holding on to your faith? You're still saying the things you were saying? Even with what you're passing through? Cause God and die. It is better to die and I marry another husband than for you to remain in the shape you are. The man said, no. Why do you talk like one of those strange women? I cannot curse God. Sometimes people around you may be the ones putting the wrong ideas in your head. Letting you know that God has failed you. People close to you. There may be people you trust. There may be people you believe in. Who tell you that this is not working. There must be an alternative. People that you believe in. People that are close to you. People you love. May mislead you with wrong counsel. Cause God and die. Don't follow your conviction. Don't believe the Bible anymore. Turn away. Seek other help. Seek alternatives. Is somebody still here? Don't let anybody condemn you because of what you're going through. 
I said, don't let anybody condemn you. Don't let anybody. They brought a woman caught in the act of adultery to Jesus. The prescribed law was that a woman caught in the adultery must be stoned to death. And they brought the woman to Jesus without the man. If she was caught in the act, I think the guys were biased. They did the wrong thing. I would have loved them to bring two of them. But they brought only the woman. Where was the man? The man should equally have been stoned. But they brought only the woman. Because men like to enforce the laws concerning women. They exempt the men. And they took the woman to Jesus. The law says a woman caught in adultery must be stoned to death. What do you say? And Jesus stooped down and wrote on the floor. Lifted up his head and asked them, which of you is without sin? Cast the first stone. If Jesus said, which of you did not commit adultery, maybe somebody would have stoned her. That's not what he said. If he said, which of you did not commit adultery? Because there are those who don't commit adultery, but they lie like Satan. And yet they accuse those who commit adultery. But adultery is not worse than lying and deception. They are both sins. Which of you that has not committed any sin, cast the first stone? He went back to school. Continued writing on the floor. One by one they left and dropped the stone. When you want to accuse somebody, look into the mirror and ask the man you see, are you guiltless? If you're not, drop the stone. Is somebody in church now? Drop the stone. Can someone say hallelujah? Matthew chapter 7. Verse 24 to 27. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended. The floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and that house did not fall. Why? It was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not practice them, does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended. The floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it fell. And great was the fall of that house. Every house is tested by trials, by storm, by adversity. You know, in life, please listen. In life, no matter who you are, no matter where you live, a 
educated or not, rich or poor, no matter your tribe, no matter your descent, in life, the rain will come. The floods will come. The wind will blow. There is nowhere to hide. Someday, sooner or later, you are going to come face to face with either the rain or the flood or the wind. Whether you will stand after that does not depend on the beauty of the building. It does not depend on the painting. It does not depend on the tiling. It does not depend on the beauty of the roof. It depends on the foundation. There are people you admire and they are standing on the wrong foundation. You know the thing about marriage, please permit me to still dribble there a little, is that we marry based on looks. We don't see the foundation. And that is the, the thing about life. Nobody sees the foundation. Come on, are you with me? You don't see the foundation. We are sitting on the foundation of a building. We don't see the foundation. The foundation is right inside. Our engineer is here. When they do the foundation, they dig deep. And they taller the potential of the building. They deeper the foundation. Come on, are you with me? You don't see it. We pile right inside. The foundation is not open to the eyes. Forget the suits we wear. Whether we stand or fall is not dependent on the color of suit. Forget the car the man drives. His life has nothing to do with the car. The foundation you don't see. That's why you can marry a handsome, trendy looking man and you regret it for the rest of your life. Because you're looking at a man that looks very well. The hair is, the hair is well cut. Everything about the man is on point. But the foundation is on sand. When you're dating, tell the girl, can I see your foundation? Not the one you buy at Mary Kay. Mary Kay foundation is not reliable. Even the women know it. <laughs> Are you still here? Foundation. Come on, is somebody here? What I'm saying? Foundation. And what is the foundation? The foundation is your attitude to God's word. You form a foundation by what you do with the word of God. Is it interesting? That foundation is not a function of prayer, but the application of God's word. If you're a prayer warrior, you pray and fast for one month, that does not give you a solid foundation. I am saying that prayer is not a foundation. The word of God is a foundation. And it is not the word of God you read. It is not the word of God you hear. It is the word of God you do. I have had reasons to be concerned about our faith. 
it has bothered me, Benga, that we have people that come to church. At the end, they be, believe, behave like they have never seen the Bible. Some of the things I hear people say, even me as their pastor, I'm disappointed. It's as if I wasted my time. You know, as a pastor, thank you, as a pastor, I get so concerned by the lives of my people. I want to see them live out the life of God, live out the purpose of God, be what God wants them to be. I get shocked when I find that with a little wind, with a little storm, with a little rain, the people are speaking the wrong things. And you wonder, what have I done with my life? I thought I was speaking to people that love the, the word of God and they're applying it. Bible says that a man that hears the word and does not do it is like one that looks into the mirror and soon forgets what it looks like. It says, but the one that is blessed in what he does is the one that looks in the perfect law of liberty and not being a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, but a doer, a doer, a doer. Is somebody hearing what I'm teaching now? What do you do with what you read in the Bible? What do you do with what you hear in church? And everything about our lives, they are interwoven. When God is speaking to you about relationship with your brother, how you should forgive your brother who wrongs you, how you should not revenge but turn the other cheek, you're a single, soon you will soon get married, that situation will happen in your marriage. If you did not learn before you got married how to forgive, how to let go, how to turn the other cheek, you will not learn it in marriage. Did, did you hear what I said? If you did not learn the word of God, even in your dealing with people, to live in truth, to live in honesty. When those challenges come in your businesses, you fail. Beloved, what am I saying to you? If you are a doer of the work, if the word of God is not more than lip service, you are standing on sand, but when you commit to doing, applying, oh come on, the message translation puts that beautifully. He said when the word of God has a place in your life, you, you, you apply the word of God and your life and the, the word of God they are woven together. That, that is when your, the trials will not pull you down. When the storm comes, when the rain comes, when the flood comes, you will still be standing because you're built on sand. Can someone say hallelujah? Trials reveal your foundation. Trials reveal your foundation. Trials reveal your foundation. Let us go beyond the external. 
Let us be concerned about our foundation. What are you doing with the word of God you're hearing? Glory to God. See, that's why, please let me say this here. Getting born again as a child of God is far beyond going to heaven. It's beyond going to heaven. While salvation is the only basis for your going to heaven, for your being accepted as a child of God, for as long as you are here on earth, salvation is only a starting point. There is more to the Christian faith than being saved. If all you do in life is get a school admission, and then you're showing to everybody I've been admitted into Unilac. That is not graduation. That paper will not get you a job. Oh, Jam has given me admission. Jam has given me admission. That is admission later. When you go to school and learn, the certificate you get after that is going to help you in life. Beloved, there is a lot more to our faith than getting saved. Too many of us are sitting at the gate thinking we have arrived. We have not. If as a child of God, your life is not yet transformed, you have not started. You can't claim to be a child of God, you're still behaving the same way you behave before you got saved. You're still talking the same way. You're still relating the same way. You're still reacting the same way. Until you die to self and Christ comes alive in you, you're far from what God wants you to be. Is somebody still here? I am concerned, beloved. We cannot be playing church and we remain the same. Nothing changes about you. Even where you live, you are ridicule. When they say Christian, they say this one. Because of the way you live. Because of the way you talk. The word of God is not seen in you. You are not a doer of the work. And that is where, why in the difficult times, you will not be standing. I pray that God will help all of us. In the mighty name of Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to prefer me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10. Can you read this with me, everybody? One, please go. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, 
I take pleasure in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Can someone say hallelujah? I have said it before on this altar. Let me repeat it. For some of you that have forgotten, so that you get reminded. Those that have not heard it before, you will hear it from me. My understanding of this scripture is that what God has not taken away in answer to your prayer, he gives you the grace to bear it. Paul said, I asked God three times, take away this infirmity. Take away this thorn in my flesh. And what did he say to me? My grace is sufficient for me. What is grace? Divine ability. I know for you alone, you will faint. For you alone, you will not be able to cope, but I give you my grace. My grace is sufficient. If I have a pain on my leg and I pray for healing, I pray, I believe God, confess scripture, do all I need to do, and the pain has not gone. It means that God will give me the grace to bear it. Please, are you with me? It does not mean that God has died. It doesn't mean that God has failed me. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love me. But if he has not taken it away, he supplies grace for me to bear it. And it does not mean that he will not take it away. But for as long as it lasts and for the purpose it serves, God will grant me the grace to bear it. Is somebody here? There are people that can identify with this scripture. People that have had to believe God for one thing or another. The devil will tell you it's because God doesn't care about you. No. But God has supplied adequate grace for that moment. Bible says where sin abounds, the grace of God abounds much more. So we can stretch that scripture to say where pain abounds, the grace of God abounds much more. Where crisis abounds, the grace of God abounds much more. Where adversity abounds, the grace of God abounds much more. Can somebody say hallelujah? And it may have to do with anything. For some it might be a job. Maybe it's the kind of job that you will not want. You ask God for a better one and God has not yet provided. It means he has given you grace for where you are until the next one comes. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Understand that God has given you grace. There are those that have been fasting and praying for God to change their spouse. Oh, that's a lot of prayer. Some people have done all manner of fasting, all manner of prayer, all manner of sowing seed. Wonderful. You have done that and the man has not changed. 
it means he has given you the grace. God has given you the grace to bait. Come on, is somebody here what I'm saying now? God can give you the grace to be able to live happily in a very toxic environment. God can give you the grace, listen to what I'm saying, to live happily in a very hostile environment. Happily. Why do I say happily? Because your happiness should not be tied to the circumstance of your life. Nobody holds the key to your happiness except you. If you want to be happy, nobody can make you sad. Oh, come on. Are you in church? Some people will come to even ask you, I want to know how you manage to be smiling with all you're going through. The reason you're smiling is that you have made up your mind to smile. And if you made up your mind to smile, you will not find people coming to close your teeth when you're smiling. It is your choice. Oh, come on. Am I talking to somebody? If God has not taken it away, maybe it is your wife. You have been praying for her to respect you. But she was born in disrespect. Abuse is in her system. Her blood spills out hate. There are women that don't know how to say kind words. God gives you grace for it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You'll hear a man tell you, me, I can't marry a woman like this. Tell the brother you're right because you don't have the grace. God has given me the grace. I love my wife. Are you still here? How do you love a woman like this? Even me, brother, I don't know. It's the grace of God. Your wife disgraces you. It's correct. And you still love her. I say, I do. Why? I say, I don't know. It's just the grace of God. <laughs> Is somebody still here? <laughs> what God has not taken away, even after your fasting, after your prayer, after all your spiritual somersaults, it means that he has given you the grace. So receive grace. God said, my grace is sufficient. Come on, is somebody hear what I'm saying now? And don't get me wrong, it does not mean that God will never change it. It simply means that for now, you have the grace for it. So stay with the grace of God. Can someone say hallelujah? Why did God permit and notice? Paul did not say that God gave him the thorn in the flesh. God said a thorn in the flesh was given me. Who gave him? He didn't say. But there is no way he would have had it if God did not permit it. Come on, are you with me? And there is no need to speculate what the thorn in the flesh was because people have had all manner of theories about it. Don't bother yourself. Just know that the man had an affliction that worried him in the flesh. Are you with me? And it could have been anything. Could have been anything. Why did God permit it? Because according to him, he had so much revelation that he was beginning to walk in air, cloud nine. He was beginning to feel so important like God that God wanted him to lay hold and come to terms with his humanity. So God gave him or allowed him to have a thorn in the flesh 
so that it will keep him humble. That's what he said. So that I will not be puffed up. So that I will not become proud. God allowed something. You know, God can allow you to run into a storm so that you can know that without him, you cannot survive. God can allow your life to run into a problem. The only thing is that when you do not know how God works, you will allow the problem to separate you from God. But that problem should rather draw you closer to God. Hey, come on. Are you in church? I said in the first service, there are people that have become so proud and uncontrollable that even if they have a thorn in the flesh, they will still be proud on top of the thorn. They will still be proud. There are people that you look at them and pity them, and yet they are so proud. One of the worst things you can find is a proud, poor man. There are poor people that are very proud. They can't eat, they are proud. They don't have a job, they are proud. God wants you to even be humbled by it so that he can lift you up, humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord so that he will lift you up in due season. Come on, are you with me? There are people that if God had just dealt with them, answered their prayer, allowed them success when they wanted it, they will never know God. They will be walking, they will think that everything, in fact, they will think that God is their PA. So whenever they just stab a finger, God will answer. You know, sometimes it takes some, please permit me to say this, it takes some kind of delay for a very beautiful woman to come to terms with the fact that marriage is not about beauty. Sometimes the woman may think that, oh, it's because I'm Miss Nigeria. And if she goes into marriage with that sentiment, she would think that she's doing the man a favor for saying yes because she's so beautiful. Sir, when you become Miss World and they crown you and with your crown, you stay and nobody's looking in your direction. You keep the crown on the shelf and answer people's greeting. Now, sometimes they ask you, What's your name? I say, What's your business? Can I have your phone number? I say, No, 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 I can't. I don't give my number to everybody. But there are times when you're looking for who to give phone number to. That's another phase of life altogether. Nobody's asking, Say, You don't have my number? Prince. I pastored a girl many, many years ago right here in Lagos. She said to me, Pastor, did you know that that your friend, my friend lives in the UK now, is married with beautiful children. I think the first daughter is married now, or is it two of them? She said to me, do you know that your friend wanted to marry me? I said, no, I don't know. I said, Pastor, I regret my life. I said, what happened? He said, one day church was over. We're together in Calabar. He said, church was over. And a brother came to me 
and asked me, hey, sister, how are you? I've been trying to meet with you. Uh, please, can I have your number? I'd like to call you. And she looked at the man disdainfully and said, who is this? My number. Am I in your class? Am I your mate? What is wrong with you? And my friend left feeling like a goat. By the time this girl was talking to me, it had taken probably over 20 years. The man had been married. The girl was not married. She was, I think, in her 40s. Were young people in Calabar. I was in school. They were in school. So, I mean, so you can imagine how long it took. She was not married. I remember bring, her bringing a man to me one day and said, I want to marry this one. I said, you can't marry him. This man and you are not in the same social class. You wouldn't survive it. The first time I, I spoke to her, I said, this, I hear that brother so-and-so is interested in you. Say, Pastor, me? It's not possible. I can't. It's not, it's not me. Much, months later, she brought the same man and said, hey, Pastor, I've thought about it. I said, don't think about it again. <laughs> Against my advice, she got married to the man. It did not take long. They were apart. Because I saw what in her desperation she couldn't see. I saw what she couldn't see. But what am I saying? That time that she was feeling like King Kong or Queen Kong. <laughs> that time she felt that you're greeting me. Am I your mate? So she needed to become humble enough to answer people's greeting. But some people don't even learn. I pray that God will help us in the mighty name of Jesus. Can I proceed? Philippians chapter 1, I have just two scriptures and we are done. Are you blessed today? Philippians chapter 1 verse 29. I love this. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 29. Can you read this with me everybody? One please read. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to do what? Come, can I hear that again? Please read this scripture so that you can remember it. Someday it will flash through your mind and you look for it and find it. Read it again. New King James. One go. Can I have that scripture in the message translation? Can you read that with me? One, read. Can we read that again? There is far more to this life than trusting, than believing in Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. There is also suffering for Christ. We love to believe in Christ, 
But some of us don't like to suffer for him. Both of them are inseparable. And the last statement says, and the suffering is as much a gift. The suffering is as much a blessing as the trusting. Come on, are you with me? Please, I want you to know that suffering for Christ is part of the package. Suffering for Christ. We come for God to bless us. We come for God to heal us. We come for God to prosper us. We come for our faith to be built up so that we can benefit from the covenant. But please, I have an announcement for you. We must also come to terms with the fact that we must suffer for him. Glory to God. The suffering is as important as the blessing. Paul, after serving the Lord, after going out for him, reaching out to people at the end of his life, came to a point of saying that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, that if it is possible, I will become conformable to his death. Beloved, there is a fellowship of suffering also. Not only a fellowship of blessing. There is a fellowship of suffering. We must be ready to suffer for the Lord. But Jesus said, when you suffer, don't suffer as a murderer. Don't suffer as a thief. Don't suffer for the wrong you do. Suffer for Christ. Suffer as an innocent righteous man. Please, are you with me? If you go to jail because of the wrong thing you do, you have not suffered for Christ at all. You're paying for your sins by the world system. Are you with me? That is not suffering for Christ. If you don't have a job, hello, are you with me? And things are hard with you. You can't pay your house rent. You're not suffering for Christ. You're suffering because you don't have a job. If both you and your wife are crying, quarreling every day, fighting every day, and she doesn't give you food, and you're suffering, or the man does not give you money, and you're suffering, you're not suffering for Christ at all. You're suffering because of a bad marriage. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying now? You're not suffering for Christ. If you don't sleep, you overwork yourself and have a headache. My brother, you're not suffering for Christ. Mosquito has beaten you. You're living beside the gutter and you're down with malaria. You're not suffering for Christ at all. Get divinely healed. Or take a, a coatem or whatever. That's not suffering. I don't know whether I'm making point, a point to you. What is suffering for Christ? Suffering for Christ is suffering for what you believe. Is suffering for what you believe. That is suffering for Christ. That is what the Bible calls persecution. When men rise up against you because you proclaim the name of Jesus then you're suffering for him. When you go to the office and share the gospel with the people around you 
and your appointment is terminated, you're suffering for Christ. Are you with me? When you stand up in the bus and then you share the gospel and people abuse you, you're suffering for Christ. You're suffering for Christ. When your landlord gives you quick notice because the landlord says that you pray too much, you're suffering for Christ. And the Bible did not say, Jesus did not say that the landlord will not keep you, give you quick notice. That's we talk about suffering for Christ. When your business partner says both of you should inflate the figure, both of you should submit the wrong figure and you're supposed to lie and you say, my brother, I can't lie. It was 4 million, not 6.5. And they look at you, mumu. You should be mumu for Christ. That is suffering for, come on, are you with me? Say, it's 4 million. He says, no, let us write 4.5. And you say, no, it is four million. My conscience, my faith will not allow me to falsify the figure. I will have extra money, but I would have denied the Lord. And maybe the man says, okay, because of that, I won't do business with you. And maybe because of denying you that you're broke for the next one month. And things are hard with you. And you begin to suffer because you refuse to cook up figures. You're suffering for Christ. Come on. Is somebody hear what I'm saying? You're suffering for Christ. Glory to God. You go to take a job and you find out that the job will lead you to evil. They are asking you to do the things that will not bring glory to God. And you say, I resign. I resign. What will you eat? I don't know. And you become broke and suffer. Beloved, you are suffering for Christ. Hello, are you with me? You're suffering for Christ. As a young girl, you date a man, nice man, who speaks the Bible and speaks in tongues. But his life is not right. And he says he will want to sleep with you. This is what is dating. And he said that is not in the Bible. Someone said to a young girl, when the man that wants to date you, you says he wants to sleep with you, ask him to tell pastor. <laughs> tell him that it's okay, you will like it. But he should first of all tell pastor about it. <laughs> Isn't that a good idea? You want to sleep with me? Which day? Say Tuesday night. Say, I'm ready. Just tell pastor. <laughs> and the man say you're a fool. Look at you. Other girls are doing it. What is wrong with you? That is when you're suffering for Christ. You're a fool. For Come on. Is somebody hear what I'm saying? Now? Be ready to suffer for Christ. That is suffering for Christ. Let me tell you another word. Suffering for Christ. When you're suffering to serve the Lord. Those days as a student, I wouldn't have money. We would walk from one end of Calabar just to go to church. We'd walk from Unical to Wapi and walk back regularly, happily, singing and whistling along. Not complaining, not expecting pastor to give me transport money. I was suffering for Christ. I was a young man. But that was not all. 
When my wife and I got married, we didn't have enough money. We would move from one end of Uyo, carrying keyboard on our head, crossing the road, crossing the field. We were suffering for Christ because we stood on what we believed and we did not want to compromise fellowship. But that was not all. When we started this church, living at Yanejibo, sometimes I would not even have money to come to work. I would trek. How many times would I trek from Okota to Ejibo regularly? Because I understood. I did not have to complain to anybody. I had to suffer for Christ. I used to trek the length of our God Palace way. Why not? Why not? It's not about you. I think Pastor Bola has done that not too long ago. I heard him say so. One day he didn't have money he to come for Thursday service. He had to trek from a God Junction to church. Here. Some people that are younger, they are too proud to do it. They don't want to pay the price. <laughs> Glory to God. Not ashamed to tell you. So pastor used to be broke like that. Yes. Sometimes I still get broke because it's only the rich that get broke. Poor people don't get broke. They don't get broke. Are you with me? Poor people live broke. <laughs> if you're going to serve in this choir, you're going to be a sanctuary keeper. You're going to do any service team, you may need to suffer for Christ. Sometimes you want to sleep, but you cannot because of Christ. Sometimes your body is telling you you cannot. Don't go. Sleep is coming. But you know you need to live up to your responsibility. Come on, are you with me? I preached on Friday. All night. I came back from Port Harcourt. And I did a series of meetings. I did. When I went to Port Harcourt, I was doing meeting, pastor's meeting, leadership meeting, then a church program, went for another program in the evening, came back, and then started again. This morning, I'm preaching twice. I'm going to preach in the evening. I think it was yesterday or so. I rolled over and told my wife, my dear, no lazy man can be a successful pastor. Why did I say that? Because I heard it in my body. My body was speaking to me. And I said, body, you must line up. Because I've got work to do. Come on, is somebody hearing what I'm saying now? It is not only, we, should, we shouldn't only be boasting about our faith. Let us also boast about our suffering. That's why Paul says, I take delight. If I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in the things that I'm wicked. I'm going to boast in reproaches, in persecution, in my infirmities. That's what I'm going to boast on. We like to give testimony. Praise the Lord. I believe God for fun and I receive two fans. But there is more to life than receiving fans. We should testify, beloved. I thank God that even though things were challenging, I did not skip my service. I kept serving God in spite of my pain. I kept serving God in spite of my affliction. I kept coming to church. I didn't miss one day in spite of the fact that I lost my job. That's a good testimony. Can somebody say hallelujah? 
One more thing on that scripture and then I move on and then we'll close. Are you blessed? <laughs> Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The word translated witnesses is from the same word meaning martyr. Martyr. So Jesus could have said you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be martyrs to me. Shall be martyrs. Who is a martyr? A martyr is one that dies for what he believes. Hello, are you with me? A martyr is one who dies. Is ready to die for what he believes. Beloved, we must be ready to die for what we believe. We must not love our life so much. That is why Jesus said, whoever loves his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will find it. We must come to a point in our lives that we are ready to die for what we believe. We are ready to die for Christ Jesus. See this world we are in. This world is getting more and more satanic. This world is getting more and more demonic. The values of this world are not the same as the values of the kingdom of God. That is why the Bible says love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. Because if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Beloved, as we get closer to this age, the end of the age, it is going to come to a point that you need to make a decision whether to be for Jesus or to be for Satan. That is why when I find young girls who do not understand that the fashion of this world will perish, they are after the fashion and the lifestyle of this world. I think they don't know nothing. There will come a time when you will have to make a choice to suffer for him. You know when the Bible says at the end when the Antichrist is manifest people will be given marks on their forehead, on their palms and if they don't have the marks they will neither sell nor buy. What do you think that is about? It will come to a point where you will need to make a choice to suffer for him or not to be a part of him. You will either suffer for him or not to be a part of him. But it will not start on that day. It starts today by the choices we make, by the lives we live. Are you ready to die for him? I don't know, think whether it was uh, Brother Kuro that told a story of how someone was caught at the checkpoint by Boko Haram. They killed people that they said deny Jesus. Deny Jesus. And people that were not ready to deny Jesus were killed. So this man passed the checkpoint. So they asked him, ah, how is it that you yourself passed? You denied Jesus? He said, of course, only the living can serve the Lord. What did he mean? He denied Jesus. I denied Jesus. I'm not a child of God anymore. So 
if I have my life, I will repent and serve the Lord. That's because he does not understand what he did. Beloved, we must come to a point where we are ready to die for the name of Jesus. We are ready to die. It amazes me how Boko Haram people will strap bombs on them. And they will run into a crowd and detonate and die. Because they are being told when you die, you will now have seven virgins. Is that a reward? What man is not even to co able to cope with one virgin here? And you have seven there. What are you going to do with seven virgins? Some of us that are married are looking for help. My wife said I should close. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> okay, as I close, let's read Romans chapter 8, verse 35. I think I should close indeed. Romans chapter 8, 35. Let's read that in the New Living Translation. Hallelujah. Can you read this with me? One please read. Wait, wait. Read again. One, go. I want to hear everybody. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Beloved, we have come to the end of the series and there is no better scripture to summarize all that we have heard. It does not matter what you go through. God loves you. Are you with me? It does not matter. And even if you have denied the faith, God loves you. God loves you. There is no power. There is no demon. There is no circumstance. No situation. No adversity. No hardship that can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus nothing I want you to be so comfortable in the love of God that you can look beyond the challenges of life you can look beyond the trials of your faith God loves you amen there is nothing nothing no demon, no devil, no angel, death cannot separate you. Hardship, adversity, poverty, I don't know whatever you can call by name, none of them can separate you from the love of God. You know, I, I have come to a point in my Christian life that I believe that it is completely impossible for me to backslide. It's impossible. Pastor, why are you saying that? Because I know that the love of God for me is so strong that nothing can take me away from his hand. Nothing. Nothing. I have committed my entire life to him and I rest in the fact that nothing can separate me from his love. Can I leave that with you today? 
I don't know. Satan might even have confused you. Satan might have told you that God doesn't care about you. That the things that, that you're going through is because God has forsaken you. Can you take hold of this scripture for yourself today? And say, no, I know God loves me. The pain I feel today is temporary. The tears I cry today will dry up. God is on my side. God loves me. Showword Assembly is a Bible teaching ministry operating at different locations. Every Sunday by 9 a.m., we experience supernatural encounter with God as we worship Him and drink from the fountain of His Word. Every Thursday, we meet at 6 p.m. for teaching, prayer, and breaking of bread. If you need a church that will equip you to grow in the faith, empower you to succeed in life, and give you a platform to serve the Lord, Welcome to Shoreward Assembly. To learn more about us, visit shorewordassembly.org. Remember, with God, all things are possible. So expect a miracle today. And when you're coming for the next service, bring a friend along. Shoreward, raising champions.